0: Well listen, good morning, Professor Martin Neil. You know, I've always looked up to professors. You guys are a lot smarter than, you know, people like me. I'm just a humble low-level working class Glaswegian surgeon. But you're a professor. And um Uh
1: hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm a working class Glaswegian professor. <laughs> so, so I so, um, I'm pretty near to the bo- bottom of the barrel, you know, in terms <clears> of the professors. You know, if you take the if you take the group ag- aggregate of professors, I'm I'm you know bumping along the bottom there, a working class professor. I became a professor more or less by accident.
0: You're right. You're right. And well, you need to tell me how you became a professor in a second. But I just realised actually, I'm I'm one up on you because I'm I'm diverse. Right. I've got diversity. Look at my skin colour. You're you're oh, white. Hold on, hold on.
1: No, no, Ahmed, Ahmed, Ahmed. I'm I'm obviously ginger. You know, a lot <laughs> of the ginger's going now. So yeah
0: yeah but, but you're still a white straight man so you're right at the bottom of the pecking order mate
1: no, wait, don't make any assumptions there yeah <laughs> i might look
0: straight how, how do you identify what do you identify as
1: uh, I, I don't go around identifying myself i think i think other people should identify me and then identify and avoid Thanks, the so. so. mantra.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things I need to say. I'm very jealous of men who can carry off a handsome beard like yours. Because if I even try to grow a beard, I look like a bloody terrorist. So I get stopped enough at the airport as it is. <laughs> so I have to be clean shaven. But you know, you have a handsome beard. beard, my friend. Now, listen, you you before we started recording, you you rushed rushed out. To get something, and I was admiring your very very neat bookshelf behind you. Am I right? Am I right that I spotted some Ian Banks sci-fi books?
1: Yeah, yeah, lots of Ian Banks, massive Ian Banks fan. Yeah, yeah, I love the whole culture uh, series. Despite that, it's you know it's a futuristic propagandizing of uh, progressive <laughs> culture. It's uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic series of books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 you're also a fan.
0: Yeah, I love the whole Galactic Opera. The whole—it's oh, just amazing. I think the imagination and the worlds that he can, you know, concocts, um, and the and the yeah, story and yeah, the storylines yeah. that he weaves, the drama, the detectives, the—it's just amazing. I love it. I love it. It's a shame he it's died. I, I
1: love, I love, it. I love the uh, the AI ships, the <laughs> yes. intergalactic ships, that are more, the autonomous AIs that, that do whatever the hell they like.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and and, and humans just. Live forever and just get on with life and intrigue. and the, and, and,
1: and, and, and identify as, as whatever they might 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 wish to at any point in time. They change sex, willy-nilly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well <laughs> this yeah. this this conversation has taken a different tangent than what I was thinking. <laughs> it's only when I yeah, spotted that I was like, that
2: might, might be a little,
0: But those are those are cool builds. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so listen, um Well you should read have you, have you just to finish the Ian Banks thing? Yeah. Have you read Fearsome Engine that's written in that's written in Glaswegian? So, yes. so he writes it in phonetic Glas. Yes, and, and when you read it, the non-Glaswegian, it reads like uh, you know a foreign language. It's quite amazing how he pulls it off. Anyway.
0: <laughs> Mate, well, I was going to say it was bloody hard for me as well. I was reading it going, mm-hmm. it, you know, I remember my first ever day as a junior house officer um, at the Southern General, it doesn't exist anymore, that hospital it's now the Queen Elizabeth or something. Um, and my consultant at the time, Dr. Beatty, was doing a ward round. He was a gastroenterologist and he was an um, acute medicine take doctor and treated a lot of alcoholics. And we're doing this ward round and all these... All these people are lined up in the beds and um, he goes, right. He he had a very posh West End Glasgow accent. So tell me, young man, why are you here today? And this guy's like half pissed, half recovering, half asleep. I I, I, I had a few things like me. And, you know, (laughs) the consultant looked over to me and said, I don't have a clue what that man just said. Can you please translate it for me? And I would just have to make something up because I didn't have a clue what he was saying. <laughs> but yeah, it just goes to show even yeah, Glaswegians yeah, don't yeah. understand what other Glaswegians are saying. So what hope is there for anyone I re- else? I
1: remember, that. I, I, I remember that day meeting Dr. Bt. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I must apologise for having too much to drink. Before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was that you then? <laughs> a little bit of vomit on your oh, beard? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm,
1: yeah, I'm better. Uh, better spoken and more polite when 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 when, when my shakes are
0: going. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad you've been rehabilitated. I'm so glad. Well, well done. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, um, when you're not taking the piss and getting hungover and recovering or whatever, um, and and trimming your beard and reading culture books, you do some serious stuff. <laughs> You're, 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 you know, a math- mathematician or computer science professor and you're a smart guy. You're cookie, you know, smart cookie. I'm I, I'm rubbish at maths. I needed a, a tutor to take me <laughs> through the higher grades. I ended up getting an A, God knows how. Um, But I, I never, never was comfortable around numbers, although I respect right, numbers. Right, right. Mean,
2: that,
1: that's, that's interesting. You, you, you presume that I was good at maths at school. I, I, I failed for maths first time. What? Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I was told at secondary school I would be very lucky to get an apprenticeship. Very lucky indeed.
0: But you're you yeah, a professor yeah. of computer science and statistics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that just shows you how <laughs> how, how, how well you can do it by yourself post, post-secondary post education.
0: Wow. Or did yeah. you just wing it?
1: Yeah. Oh, at secondary school? Uh, yeah. I got more or less just... Just sort of stumbled through. Um, it was a very rough, tough working class area. Very few people went to university. Uh, I certainly wasn't minded to go to university, so I hadn't really prepared mentally or academically for, for that for that step. Um, and the presumption was is that you know the, the steelworks, Ravenscraig as it was, Motherwell. But would mm. open its gates up. You know, there's that, there's that Billy Connolly story. They open the gates up and everybody trots on in, and that should be a career. So that was very much a presumption. But in the 1980s, with deindustrialisation, my father had lost his job. A lot of the other uh, local men had lost their jobs, and the steelworks were eminently, were you know, going to close down in the horizon. So so by the time I got to uh, fourth year and secondary school, where you had to make your big decisions about choosing... Hires, which are you know the equivalent, rough equivalent of A um, uh, Yeah, I was in for a bit of a shock. The steelworks might not not be there any longer, <laughs> so 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 we had to had to had to look at alternatives. And uh, of course, university was expanding, and um, I um, I uh, went to uh, polytechnic, which at that time wasn't even a polytechnic. It was Glasgow Tech mm Yeah. So so yeah, quite 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 a journey. And the whole academic thing uh was was more or less by by accident. It wasn't by by design. I mean I like to tell my kids they think, well, Dad, you've got everything mapped out. You're a clever, intelligent guy, you've had a good yeah. career. Yeah. Yeah, you, you haven't put a foot wrong. And I yeah. explained to them that, oh no, no, this 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 just <laughs> looks as if I'm balancing well on this beam. But at any moment it would I would I would fall off. And and when I was young I fell off regularly. Um uh Just through sheer rebelliousness, <laughs> rather than anything else.
2: Mate, so, I love yeah, it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyone listening out there, you can still become a professor despite despite screwing up repeatedly in your twenties. Are you even before. Old, possible.
0: Everything's. I love it. You know, if I look back at my life, it's been a litany of rejections, dead ends, failures, and mistakes, and unexpected consequences and just you know i don't know how i've got to where i am it wasn't mapped out I had...
1: you feel like you're feeling depressed because you're talking to me suddenly you thinking oh my god i've reached rock bottom I'm, I'm...
0: <laughs> no like i never thought i'd be in buckinghamshire i never thought i never thought i'd be a foot and ankle surgeon i never thought i'd be doing a podcast you know i dreamt of being a pilot i wanted to be a pilot then and then eventually right. yeah. I thought yeah yeah that's, that's interesting yeah My mum squashed that. You know how she. Yeah. You you know how my mum squashed it. So say that again. So basically, my mum goes. um, She she goes. um, Why do you want to be a pilot? I went. Well, (laughs) I just watched Top Gun. I really liked it. And um, she goes. What you're going to go and kill people in other countries? I was like, oh god, that sounds terrible. No, I don't want to be that. And what you're just going to be a glorified bus driver? You know. And I was like, oh god. (laughs) So, So she just squashed that idea.
1: Right. right. okay yeah So all that romance and potential glory evaporated yeah and you went for the high the high life of ankle foot surgery
0: <laughs> low life low life you know one of the, the the best ways people think that they can have a go at me on twitter is to say oh you're just a foot surgeon i went yeah yeah just a really good one
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah, well, don't let, don't don't let them get to you, I Amit. Mean. Oh yeah. no, no, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I giggle at it. I I think it's hilarious. I just think I feel sorry for these people. Yeah. Trust me, I'm I'm in a very good place in my life. And you know, the more attacks people have at me, the more I realize I'm over target. I'm doing a good job. So let yeah. let let them yeah, bring it on. Right. Let, let you know it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't get to me. I've got I've got rhino thick skin. So should we should we talk about something yeah, serious? Yeah, should we good. talk about something serious now? We should, we
1: should <clears> try. We should try. Exactly. Yeah, that's why we get after all the things. So let's let's give it a go.
0: So you you have right from the get go been quite analytical, objective, and then started to get a bit critical of what the government was telling us, along with your partner in crime, chief misinformation spreader Prof. Fenton. Um, And you guys have been challenging and pushing back, you know, what's going on and looking at the data. And I stumbled across you, I think, end of 2020 or beginning of 21. um, I was in the, you know, midst of isolation and depression, thinking I was like this strange person who was not thinking like everyone else around me. And suddenly I stumbled across these two professors. And they're saying, I mean, basically, you're calling out bullshit and i was like i love these guys and um it's a bit bizarre speaking to you now because you don't know at that time you guys were like heroes to me i was just like wow these guys are smart academic they're writing papers they're professors and they're 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 basically scientifically mapping out how i feel and think intuitively so i just want to say thanks mate seriously
1: Thank Oh, a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I mean I should add that uh, I mean Norman and I are, I guess, a little bit more prominent uh in in, in the uh in the fact that we've got a substandard and Norman is even you know more more prominent because he, he does so much, you know, in terms of public engagement. But there's but there's other people that have been part of the group. Scott Scott McLachlan, uh he he was with us. We were, we were all based in Queen Mary. In 2020, so he played a large part in much of our research. In fact, he was he was the first guy to do a, 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 a very objective, thorough analysis of the VAERS data on the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System in, in, in the states, mm. and that was back in uh, 2021 after the, the vaccine rollout. Um, so he he was the first that, 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 that did that, and that that that's what. You know, heavily influenced Jessica Rose's work and McCulloch, and McCulloch still cites that to 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 this day's the, the first trigger trigger analysis that uh, really revealed all of the problems with the the, the 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 vaccines. And one of the key things that he showed was that um, uh, that the vaccine reports were from credible sources because the criticism at that time from the other side was is that you know anyone can go online anyone can register a, a vaccine a vaccine inverse event. There's there's no checking. Uh when that's just simply not the case. So so Scott did that. And also another colleague Magda Osman who who's now at Cambridge but uh was at uh Queen Mary at the time she she she's been involved in looking at the psychological stuff, you know, cognitive decision making, cognitive science. So she she's also been you know fairly especially early on. Really strongly involved in what, what what we've done. So there's there's lots of unseen heroes behind the scenes that are all doing all doing the hard work, the hard scientific work, uh, along with uh, not Norman and I. So I'd like to give a big 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 shout out to them.
0: Well done, good for you. So what are the key things that have stood out for you, and you feel needs to be highlighted? I mean, from you you did a post, a tweet. Not so long ago. I think it was about a month ago. And um, it was actually pretty much the same time I was thinking the same thing. Like, where's the flu gone? Like, every year we have seasonal flu and there is no cure for the flu. And it's kind of weird. Flu has been bundled, especially in America. Every kind of viral infection, RSV, whatever, the cold, it's all be bundled together into a flu-like symptom complex. But we have flu seasons. Suddenly, it disappears. I think 2020,
1: 2021. So yeah, yeah. What 2020, happened? What happened? Yeah, and in some places it didn't, didn't come back. You know, it disappeared for, for two years, um, uh, which 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 was very odd. Uh, um, and then then they come back. You remember the uh, the media pushing the Twindemic the dangers of the twindemic, that there was a danger of flu and COVID <clears> circulating in tandem and people would maybe become co-infected with both, both agents and that would lead to you know an exponential at least additive risk, you know, more severe more severe symptoms and potential hospitalizations and deaths. Yeah, so 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 I've um at the back of my mind I've always been interested in, in what happened to the flu way back from March twenty twenty because I recall when the the whole pandemic in inverted commas um, kicked off, uh, people would on TV and in the media would use this this three letter word flu, and they would immediately get 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 squashed. So I think Trump said at one point just the flu and the media reaction to that was 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 vociferous, lethal, you know, strong, and that 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 was that that was drowned out. Um, and I, I tried very early on to find information on the lethality of the flu, just so I had a comparator to COVID. Yeah, you know, if COVID is bad, you know how does it compare to the flu? And I was looking at flu statistics on, online, and I, would, I went back the next day, and, and and I couldn't find the stuff that I'd looked at. It it, it, it disappeared. I couldn't couldn't really understand why. Um, and I, I made a mental note to 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 you know dig dig further. Um, but uh, you know, early on, when John, I, and I just did its first analysis. Sorry, sorry for his just extra just fatality rate,
0: Just stop one second. I'm, I hate to interrupt, but yeah, what you just said, something that, that's quite important. What do you mean? You were searching for statistics on flu, and then and then the next it's just yeah. disappeared. Disappeared from where?
1: Well, even if you look at Wikipedia, some of the flu rates for uh, the Spanish flu in 1918 nineteen eighteen, uh, nineteen changed. They've, they've all been edited. They, they, they were edited over that that time period, um, uh, and and that editing I, I just found puzzling. I wasn't I wasn't used to seeing something that uh, I I must say I was looking at it quite casually. I wasn't carefully recording this stuff mm. like everyone else at that time. I wasn't mm. I wasn't you know I hadn't immersed myself in, in 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 the whole research around the pandemic thing. Um, so yeah yeah I felt that this this was odd. I had no reliable information on on lethality of the flu that, that, that I could find, mm. you know, to hand Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't doing a massively deep dive into the literature, not to the extent that, that you know, I've done so since.
0: Yeah. You were talking about uh, Ioannidis.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so when John Ioannidis did his, his first analysis on the infection fatality rate and the uh, prevalence of, of, of COVID, you know, it was clear then that it wasn't as as deadly uh as 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 was was claimed <laughs> and that 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 rungs all sorts of alarm bells at that's at that point i thought well okay um it doesn't look to be you know any worse than than the flu certainly in terms of the, the numbers that he was producing um and the thing that really struck me was the reaction to his research again this rejection in the mainstream scientific mainstream and the statistics mainstream of, of of this work and and and, and I could not could not understand that. So I independently went off and, and built quite a, a thorough, sophisticated mathematical model, taking the data to hand, and and, and used that to build a uh, to to build an estimate of what the fatality rate and the prevalence rate was. And 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 it more or less was was in the same ballpark as Ioannis.
0: Can we go back and we to got that I, published? That's... that's- because I, I want to talk about what you you did and what you published, but can can you help me here and the listeners? You know when when was John's paper published um, and where was it published and what's his background? I mean, who is this guy? I mean, has he got any credentials?
1: Oh, right, that, I think uh, it seems so long ago now because it's just, you know it's rough, you know it's over three years, so yeah. that that was uh, March, April,
0: twenty twenty. Right
1: so twenty twenty, around about the time of diamond princess yeah yeah right and, and the had to get the first sets of data from from italy and from new york city and here in the uk um so the the data was starting to become available and he was using some of that he was doing independent seroprevalence prevalence studies so looking at antibody rates for people that that may have generated antibodies in reaction to to, to the virus um he he's, a, he's uh, a world renowned scientist and epidemiologist who's who's I think the most widely uh, cited, referenced scientist in the world. And he's written a whole series of seminal papers. Uh huge, huge name. So so it was puzzling, you know, why 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 someone with this this global reputation uh being being one or less sort of slandered? <laughs> you know, yeah so, so
0: and this is early, so oh, March.
1: Maybe so, okay, maybe it's wrong.
0: Yeah.
2: This,
1: but this yeah, is... March, April. So we published we published a paper in May in in uh and then had it I think it appeared in June in and, and, uh, online in a journal.
0: And that was uh, corroborating.
1: And it, and it it up, did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, more or less. So so the Ferguson, Imperial uh, College, London, uh Neil Ferguson did publish their rate and it was one percent and and our rate was was a fifth of that. And so iron was uh, It Subsequently, we've found it's, it should actually be a lot less, you know, even in that, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, so, so so, that whole thing drew me into it. And I thought, okay, there's something something seriously going wrong here. Okay, okay, other alarm bells were going off, but I couldn't mm. really qualify them because mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't draw in the scientific evidence and, and present a coherent scientific argument. But this is something that I felt, you know, we well our group felt we could contribute to, to 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 the debate, and and I you know I seriously thought that once this paper's published, uh, we may get some other uh, <clears> some <throat> other confirmatory analysis from other independent research groups. Uh it should all be over by Christmas. <laughs> all of this will go away, and it, of course, it never did, never did. Wow! Yeah, it wasn't really exciting yeah
0: wow i mean yeah. the reason why well, i'm asking you, you have to have a <laughs> yeah i mean but the thing is you know to to many people including myself you know we we were very isolated and there's a real fog of war you know we, didn't, we weren't looking we didn't know where to look for the data or the information you know i'm just like i said many a time a dumb orthopod a dumb foot and ankle surgeon you know and i i don't I don't do number crunching. I don't know how to make sense of all these statistics and tables. And most people I'd say are like me. They don't really understand. They just saw the red charts, the red graphs all going up. And it's interesting you're saying this this paper came out so early on because that meant the government and all the experts would have had this information. And if they had this information, why did they choose to ignore it? And why were they basing major decisions and major detrimental effects on the economy and the population um, you know based on information that was incorrect and ignoring something that was you know not that lethal and you've corroborated an independent group has corroborated that data and said yeah this isn't that lethal I mean where is John Iannoudis based because you're in St Mary's I mean it's not you're not in the same department are you
1: oh right We're at Queen Mary University of London um, he's at uh, I think it's UCLA yeah okay. Yeah, I uh, think... Uh, other, side, other side of the world, nothing oh, to do with you. Maybe, maybe, Stanford. maybe Stanford, yeah.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so then and, what and, happened? And,
1: and ultimately, 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 that rate is 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 com- comparable, of course, to, to the flu. ah yeah, it's, it's, it's a fraction of a percent, yeah, or even a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Uh, so when you look at the flu, you say, "Well, yeah. I mean, some of those people early on were saying it's just the flu. Um, we're, we're, we're statistically right, yeah, yeah. There's 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 issues around, you know, the symptom set associated with, with COVID and the flu that they have a huge overlap, yeah. Mm-hmm. That they are potentially indistinguishable one from the other, yeah. And a lot of people we're, were, were saying that, yeah. So." Uh, yeah, yeah, there's huge, huge overlap. But of course, i only started looking at the flu seriously this this year, and what had happened to the flu because there was so so many other things that that had to, you know, demanded our attention. So we we did work in ivermectin, doing statistical analysis of the uh, efficacy uh, of of ivermectin as an early early uh, preventative or, or or early treatment. Um, we did a lot of work on. PCR testing and exposing the corruption of PCR testing. Uh, I, I looked the other day at our, our substack, and it's got over three hundred articles now that were written over over that three year period. Wow! Some of them very, very you know, sophisticated mathematically, and some of them uh, just a few graphs and charts pointing out pointing out the fallacies and flaws in, 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 in the data. But uh, yeah, so so I think it was only once. You know, the vaccines has rolled out. We had made a contribution in criticising the safety and efficacy of the vaccines. That could really come back up for air earlier this year and think, okay, let's look back at the questions I had right at the start. Mm. And a lot of people have been doing that, looking at the, the uh, you know, the I, I like to think about it as sort of folklore <laughs> of, the, of the start of the pandemic. Yes. You know, what, what 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 big questions can we revisit now, and what can that what can that help reveal about where where, where we are.
0: So I've heard lots of things like it was pantomime. It was just theater. It was all fabricated. Um, I've heard that there was no pandemic. Um, And if there was no pandemic and it was um, a pandemic of fear and theater, that's quite a serious allegation because that means all the subsequent decisions that were based on that narrative of a pandemic were false, deliberately misleading. We shouldn't have had lockdowns. We shouldn't have had masking. We shouldn't have had social distancing. We shouldn't have had schools closed down. We shouldn't have had small businesses shut down. We shouldn't have done furlough. We shouldn't have wrecked the economy. We shouldn't have spent so much money, created debt on stupid PPE and other measures. We shouldn't have had vaccines and mandates. I mean, the list goes on. Um, not yeah, it's,
1: huge, isn't
0: it? it's huge. So. What happened again to the flu? What happened to the flu, and was this a pandemic?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. So the the the, the flu story. There's a number of parts to this. Uh, the uh, the first thing was is that uh, if you look at the WHO flu net, which is a, a worldwide database of flu rates, uh, where flu is reported by individual countries throughout the world, so they take all that together and they produce year on year out year-in-year-out graphs where you see flu goes up in each country uh, during the flu season. And this is a fairly reliable pattern. You know, flu arrives every year, the NHS collapses, flu goes away in the summer in the northern hemisphere, arrives in the summer in the southern hemisphere. But it's been very, very reliable, um, more or less. Uh, and then you know, COVID arrives, you're not allowed to talk about the flu anymore, and at the end of 2020, it disappears largely from the west Right. Um so if you look at the WHO flu net, you see these gaps in the graph. And in some countries it disappears for two years. Like yeah. in, in in Japan, New Zealand, it uh, disappears for, 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 for two years. Um and there's the 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 story from the virologist is 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 one of of <clears> uh, viral viral interference. So one one stronger virus or, or more more transmittable virus. Uh, or you know, some superpower virus comes along. Like one variant of the flu might drive out another. Uh, so maybe COVID had driven driven out the 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 the, the flu. Um, but what I found is that the flu didn't disappear in two thousand twenty. It still existed in some countries. Uh, you could find it uh, on the WHO flu net. You could find it in uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Laos, um, uh, and in uh, Haiti. So, Haiti's out in the Caribbean. Mm. Uh, and the country next door to Haiti that shares the same islands is the Dominican Republic. Mm. The Dominican Republic got COVID. Haiti didn't. Haiti got flu at the same
0: time. That doesn't even make sense.
1: So, I thought, oh, that's, that's, that's very odd. This, this is a virus that recognizes national borders. <laughs> and there's, there is a mountain range that. There's, there's, there's a mountain range that separates these, these, these two parts of the island. You know, Dominican Republic on one side, Haiti on the other. But there's a lot a lot of people move backwards and forwards. You know, across that across that border. There's a lot of, there's a lot of labour that moves from Haiti into Dominican Republic because it's it's richer. So you're getting the you get you're getting flu flu didn't disappear. It only disappeared in certain places. And of course, you've got zoo- zoonotic uh, reservoirs. The flu still circulates amongst animals. Mm. You know, bird flu, other flus, yeah. So where, where did that go? The, the animals have kept quiet about whether they had the flu or not. But uh, yeah, yeah. So 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 flu had gone, and and uh, I decided to to to, to have a, a look into potential reasons why that might be. I've mentioned viral interference as one. So uh, this is you know the idea that one one virus pushes out the other, and I thought, well, I'll do a PubMed PubMed search. So Mm. medical research has gone, PubMed, huge, you know, portmanteau compendium database of all the research papers that are done Mm. across everything in in medical science, including epidemiology, virology. Uh, And I looked for experiments that had been done where people, uh, scientists would take uh, ferrets or hamsters or an animal model or a model, you know, a biological model of of someone's uh, respiratory system. And they would infect it with one viral agent, mm. right? And then infect it with the other. So you give SARS-CoV two COVID, and then you, you 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 apply flu, and you look at whether there's evidence after that sequential infection. Mm. There's evidence that uh, one one virus is driven out the other. Whether the mm. titers, the the amount of virons or uh, viruses in the 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 animal uh, are are. Uh, one, 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 one virus or the other. So, so you infect with SARS-CoV-2, then you infect with flu, and then you ask, does flu drive out SARS-CoV-2, or is it the opposite? Yeah. Or you, you know, you infect in a different sequence. And and over the four or five papers I looked at, it was clear that that uh, there was no evidence, lab evidence, of uh, viral interference. Flu, flu was not being knocked out by SARS-CoV-2, mm. right? So this assumption that the virologists had that flu disappeared because of viral interference because COVID was uh, was uh, more powerful in, in a sort of layman sense was was nonsense. But of course, the obvious thing is is that you know remember flu did come back right after after Delta for COVID and after Omicron flu came back right and flu yeah. we did we did eventually get to endemic yeah yeah so. Over over the early period of the the pandemic, flu disappeared, but later on, flu and COVID were happy to coexist. But during the early period, the virologists would point and say it's viral interference, but in yeah. the later period, it's it's not. It's a mystery. It's weird. It's it's just such an obvious obvious contradiction.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yes. So so COVID and flu eventually were rubbing along quite happily, but before beforehand, we're, we're bitter enemies.
0: <laughs> maybe 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 the flu hadn't met. Covid, because it was a novel virus, and I was scared of it and ran away.
1: That's it. And once you know, you meet a new a new friend, you start to get, get you know get to know them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they less dangerous. That's, that's right. Yeah, the French. Yeah, yeah, the stranger model of, of viral interference.
0: Yeah, Stranger. Exactly. stranger we we should we should call it the the Malik Neil hypothesis. I mean, it's just it didn't make sense to me. It didn't make I can sense. feel that. Yeah, it didn't make sense time. to me, mate. Yeah, because basically, you know, it's like saying, yeah, you know what, you can break your ankle, and but you can't break your tibia, you know, because one's more powerful than the other, so you can only break one. It just, what do you mean, like, oh, the viral interference? It doesn't make sense. They're either going to infect you or not, and why can't? It just, it just didn't make sense from day one for me. Honestly, it didn't. So now, yeah, yeah, you were told, it just, it's all about, yeah. So recap: We were told flu has been pushed away, has ran away from the big bad sea, scared of COVID. COVID's the dominant bad guy, the big bully in town. But then later on, the two viruses meet, greet, realise that they're chums, and then hang out together. Is that what the, is that what the virologists are saying?
2: Yeah,
1: and they they agree to co infect people. They would they would work together as a as a as a as a, a criminal conspiracy against your respiratory system. <laughs>
0: rather rather agree
1: to attack you one at a time
0: <laughs> smart viruses you know
1: collaborative they effort. are you know, they've yeah, always novel they've, and dangerous and smart.
0: yeah they've obviously sorted out the win-win scenario you know
1: <laughs> yeah 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 and they know how to collaborate yeah it's good
0: so then what happened
1: uh next thing i looked at uh was um uh testing Oh right. yeah. So so okay. so, if you, so if you think about uh during the course of the pandemic, uh PCR testing became all pre- you know, m- prevalent, you know, it was mandated, it was recommended, and, and in any situation where there was even a suspicious that you might have a and throat throw it, you were encouraged to go off and get a PCR test. Uh and, and that would become proof that you could re-enter society as, as as one of the clean rather than one of the unclean. Um so we're all using PCR tests. Well, some of us—I I wasn't using PCR tests, but but you know we're producing millions of PCR tests. And at the start of the pandemic, I, I assumed that these PCR tests were, were accurate. But of course, we you know we, we, we all know now that these PCR tests suffer from from all sorts of uh, problems, either in uh, you know sensitivity or specificity to particular viruses. They could be suffer from inaccuracy because they may be triggered by uh, other other viruses, co-infection problems, contamination problems, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and I thought, well, what, what's happening with the flu then? Mm. We're, 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 applying, we're applying or not applying flu tests. Um, so if we're suspicious about PCR testing for, for COVID, <laughs> uh, what, what, what's going on with PCR testing for, 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 for flu? But, but, but why than the PCR testing, you've got to think, okay, what, what's, what's happening in the whole surveillance system? Because what we have in, in many countries in the West is, is a whole a, a whole sort of public health apparatus around tracking the flu year in year out. They try and anticipate in advance when there's going to be a flu wave, how big the flu wave might be. So they will rely on GPS uh, and other, other 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 physicians to collect data in terms of test samples using using test kits like PCR to to return to central repositories. Uh, uh, the, the flu rates that they are seeing, Plus, you'll see, you know, public health will track influenza-like illnesses, coughs. Uh, they'll track fevers, symptoms, etc., and use that to, to 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 predict what's happening with flu. They'll also look at um, searches on the internet and search engines like Google, where people will type in that magic word "flu." So the idea more people were going online to find out about the flu, maybe because they might suspect that they have the flu. Mm. So you've got all this, this apparatus all feeding information on, on, on flu surveillance. So so you've got tests, you've got protocols, you've got procedures, uh, these very complex systems all, all running, providing this, this information. Um, and uh, one of the things I looked at was the CDC in the States, which is the Centre for Disease Control, what their process is for deciding whether a flu test is 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 a positive or not, right, and also whether there's an outbreak of of flu, right, and the, these 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 protocols, these procedures, which are in the form of flowcharts, uh, have 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 uh, been in use for it for a long long time, right. So it's not just a doctor in isolation deciding that there's a flu uh, positive and then returning that to the central database. That they've uh, they've got to go through that flowchart to decide whether it's a genuine positive. And there's a number of prerequisites before they can say that someone's got a flu. The first one is, Mm -hmm. uh, the flowchart asked them, is the flu test result as a positive occurring in the flu season or not? Right. So there's a presupposition, a prior disposition, that you've got to believe that there is a flu season before you can judge it to be a, a true positive flu result. Otherwise, the suspicion must be that it's maybe a false positive. Right. And during the time when flu disappeared, of course, there was not a flu season because it had disappeared, but we definitely had a COVID season. And given you've got all the symptoms, right, that the same for COVID and the flu, it'd be a very difficult call for someone, especially with the amount of emotional and psychological pressure and the fear-mongering, to to, to call a a flu positive, even if they had a positive result. But there's another thing that that, that prevents that, Mm. um... <clears throat> uh, or, or, or reduces maybe the strength of that flu signal, and that that was the role of quarantines, right? So, you remember that you were discouraged from 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 using health services to protect them. Mm. You were you were discouraged from visiting your general practitioners, your doctors, yeah. or going to hospital or care yeah. homes, uh, even even if you had a suspicion that you might have COVID, and you mm. were encouraged to stay at home and self quarantine for sometimes up to.
2: You know,
1: uh, fourteen days.
2: Yeah,
1: right. And take take COVID tests at various points in that 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 quarantine journey. Yeah. Now, if you suffer uh, from a respiratory virus and you're suffering the symptoms, and you suspect it's COVID, right, and you follow the you follow the mantra and you stay in quarantine, by the time you turn up. You know, when you're when you're when you you may be potentially at death door <laughs> and you need hospital treatment, you're mm. gonna turn up at the, 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 the hospital or, or, or the doctors, uh with with, with symptoms, right? That that uh, that uh, that have gone on for some time, right? Um and you've quarantined, uh, but by that time, you know, you you'll probably have a positive COVID test, right? Or or at least they, they will give you a a, a COVID test upon entry to the hospital, and you might catch COVID at that at that time. But but the fact is that the flu test would not be applied at the start at the point you're given symptoms. You, you you experience symptoms, mm.
2: right?
1: So you experience symptoms. You don't have access to a flu test because you're at home in quarantine. You don't go to the doctor, so he's not going to give you a flu test. And and they seldom give flu tests anyway. But for the surveillance system, they they, <clears> they do. Um, The problem is, is that with flu tests, uh, you have to apply the flu test within about um, four days of experiencing symptoms. Otherwise, it won't pick up Mm. the virus, right? And and it varies depending on the age group and whether you you, you've had flu before. Um, But if you don't if you don't apply the flu test within four days of having symptoms, it'll it'll show more than likely it'll show a negative. So if you think about the quarantine, you're in there for two weeks. Yeah, you might have flu at the start. Yeah, Right? You arrive in a hospital to do a flu test, it's got to come up negative. Because it's more than the four days that it needs from symptom onset.
0: And is it a reliable test?
1: uh, No. No, the flu tests aren't that great. The assay tests, some of the PCR tests are supposed to be better. Right? But uh, most of the uh, reliability or accuracy assessments of these tests are, are, are sort of done within a closed shop. So it's the manufacturers with some you know, maybe you know, tame academics producing these mm. estimates. But but you would think when flu disappeared, logically you've got you've got two explanations. It genuinely disappeared. Mm. Or maybe there was something wrong with all of your testing. Right? It'd be such a big question you would want to ask. So you would go off and you reevaluate all your all your testing equipment. Yeah. Or your PCR tests or your assay tests and ask, are they genuinely picking up flu? No one did that. No one did that. They just assumed it disappeared. So quarantines I think had an impact on whether, even if they did apply a flu test, whether you would come up positive. So that was that was pretty amazing. Right. So 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 that was the second the second part of the sort of four or five part story. Uh the next thing mm-hmm. is I did mention earlier that the surveillance systems that uh especially here in the UK uh rely on internet searches to give that potential early warning. Now, uh, That's crazy. if you look that, at the- it, right.
0: Sorry, it doesn't, oh, no, it doesn't sound very scientific. It doesn't sound very scientific.
1: Well, it's just, it's just one part of the mix. Yeah. yeah. It's not replacing any of the other surveillance components, right? Um, but it does, it, does, it does give you a potential early warning that if your health system isn't picking it up, then maybe it's showing in people Googling Right, so so imagine an Ebola outbreak. People are going online and typing Ebola. You would want to know that a bit earlier, as early as you can. So maybe use use the, the internet search uh, frequency. You know the mm. volume of searches as a potential early, early warning. Now, I'm not I'm not defending it. I'm not saying it's the best system in the world, but, it's but one I'll throw
0: of, it back in the sense that if health, if, health, if I know, but say if there's articles or news, you know, media outlets. F- Pumping out fear porn and going, there's an Ebola outbreak, Ebola outbreak, and then I'd be like, what the hell is Ebola? <laughs> like, not because I think I've got oh, Ebola. No, yeah, yeah. That,
1: yeah, that, yeah. But that, that's a good point. But what I'm what I'm about to say is that, despite the fact that COVID nineteen is a novel and deadly virus and you're all going to die, yeah, mm. and that being pumped out propagandistically throughout mm. that period, people were still going online and searching for the flu ah. at the same rates as they did. At the same rates as they did in previous years.
0: Wow. That's,
1: that's the, the trucks of this. It's not, it's not that they were searching for the flu at all. It's that despite the fact mm.
2: that COVID-19
1: was the, was the only virus in town, yeah?
2: Mm. They were still going
1: online. And they were searching for flu during periods when flu had supposedly disappeared. So you could look at, uh, say, Australia or Japan, and the WHO flu net graph is supposed to because up and down like a sinusoidal wave. I've yeah, seen it. For the yeah. Flu every winter. Yeah. And then you get a gap flat yeah. period where there's no flu. During that flat period, people are going off and searching on Google for flu. Uh huh. That's mind-boggling. Crazy.
0: And then, and then,
1: you know, the other thing is is that when you look at the that 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 that's supposed to be an input signal, yeah, to the flu surveillance complex, right? Yeah. In the UK, uh, one of the universities. Runs a very supposedly sophisticated machine learning system that takes data from Google and other search engines. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the actual system's Google Google Trends. People can go off and get you know access Google Trends. Just search for it when you get there. Type in the word flu, and then you'll get mm-hmm. these graphs. Yeah. Um, the, the, this university did some sophisticated machine learning you, using the information from Google from Google Trends on searches for flu.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And then some sophisticated analysis to reproduce that graph and decide whether, based on the height, the amplitude, of the, the, the the number of searches, whether we had a serious flu season or mild flu season, etc. And 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 then my I think it's a fourth flu article. I revealed that uh, that analysis produced by the university and the graph that they produced had a flat period for the number of Google searches, right for flu. Mm.
2: But
1: you just go to Google and you type in flu and you see that Google returns a spike, right? A high amplitude signal saying that people were searching for flu. So that 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 that's very, very suspicious that the system that supposedly takes as input yeah. the Google data for flu searches doesn't register those. Right? It actually, you know, it, it it it's it's pushed them down. It's flattened that particular sombrero, right? It's pushed that down. Um, so that's very, very suspicious. Why would that be? Like, uh, What's well, going on? How how could you how could you build a, a system that takes as input a signal and then make that signal disappear?
0: Yeah, I know, that's not massive.
1: Despite asking. the fact take it from Google. I, I don't know. It's it's very, very <laughs> odd. It sounds as like if something's been intentionally potentially intentionally broken or accidentally accidentally uh yeah, dismantled.
0: Sounds very that's dodgy. Very odd yeah
1: yeah yeah it's very weird very <sighs> weird yeah yeah so that's not that's not the full flu story I, keep I'm going on about this all day but keep going keep, keep going uh because <laughs> because this covers quite a lot a lot of ground um so we're more or less talking about the flu surveillance apparatus stuff that's in, in place. I, I should add, you know, I'm, I'm not a virologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm a computer science scientist and statistician. Um, but but this sort of information that I'm revealing here today is, is being gathered not through any special scientific special powers, yeah? These are the few wet Sunday afternoons on the internet looking at websites and gathering data. The sort, the sort of thing that journalists used to do and get paid for yeah yeah it doesn't take great talent to reveal this stuff it may take a little bit of talent to put pieces together right but but the information's all there it's all public and and anybody can go off and either reproduce what i've done or 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 or, or find find new new information yeah so 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 the last the last thing was um i looked at uh the there's there's a, a flu survey that's done and the flu survey uses a panel of self-selected members of the public to report to public health that experiencing influenza like illness symptoms, coughs, fevers, and so on, right? And they have a reporting system with a questionnaire that people fill in diligently every year. They send it in, and that gives them an idea how many people out there are experiencing flu symptoms. So it's yet another you know leg in this 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 table that supports the flu surveillance apparatus. And, and they uh, diligently send this in. Uh, and at the start of the pandemic, they, uh, they decided to change the questionnaire. I've no idea how they changed it. And they changed it in a way that would now track COVID and the flu. Right? Mm. So they, they ran that. But they only reported data on this for a few months and then stopped. <clears throat> and then at the end of 2020, they declared that they were no longer using flu and COVID tracking together. Right? They were going to concentrate on COVID only, I think. I mean, I may be getting this right. There's a lot of detail here. And then the next year, in 2021, they, they declared that the the um, the flu season has begun, despite the fact that there had been no flu. So on the website, they say, we're, we're, we're tracking flu and COVID. We're going to now just track uh, COVID. Um but the after the flu season in January 21, they said, "Well, the flu season is is about to begin," even though they didn't have a flu signal. They turned off the information for the, for the flu, right? So all the reporting people were doing, saying we've got symptoms, has been pushed into COVID, right? Not 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 the flu bucket, yeah. But then they had the precience to know that the flu season was about to begin again, and then they started tracking flu. And then lo and behold, at the end of uh yeah 2021, the flu season come back in the UK. That's very, very odd. How 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 did they know? Right? Very, very weird. And 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 uh it's all there. You can use the Wayback Machine to look at the website and find out when they made these announcements, but flu appearing, disappearing, how they changed. It was tracked. So so this is another case where you've got the the whole system that's been put in place to determine whether we'll get flu. Not working properly, or potentially being interfered with. So, so, so the argument here is, is that you know it's human interference rather than viral interference. The methods by which we observe the flu have been have been adjusted or gerrymandered or dismantled, and that that you know if you don't look for something, you won't find it. Yeah. So that that could be causing the the, the disappearance of the flu. The
2: Whoa. last thing in
1: the story is yeah. The last thing in the story is that. We uh, we have always reported flu and uh, pneumonia as a, as a as a cause of death, right in official mortality statistics,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right, um, and these the, the, this has been you know more or less a sort of quite routine. Uh, in uh, 2020, we were all focused on, on COVID. Someone raised a, a FOI, right. So that that's a, a Freedom of Information request. And they asked the Office for National Statistics for the data on flu deaths
2: mm. in
1: March 2020, during mm. the peak of the COVID pandemic at that time.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
1: flu deaths were, were, were only slightly under the COVID deaths. So people were dying of influenza and, and, and pneumonia at roughly the same rate as COVID at the same time. Now, if people had known that, yeah, yeah, if you had been able to do that comparison, remember that at the start of the conversation, it was important to do a comparison. If people had seen seen the figures coming out in Downing Street from the podium, yeah, if that's what we were using at the time, I can't recall. If you'd seen that the flu deaths were quite similar to the COVID deaths, it's, "Well, geez, people are dying of flu at roughly the same rate. COVID doesn't look much different." What are we worried about, so maybe it was the case that that competitor, that competing explanation, right, or that competing comparison. You know, had to, had to go from the public
2: mm. public mind,
1: and then it was the same in in, in January twenty one, <clears throat> right? Um, when 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 the, the, the flu season between 2020, 2021 in the UK didn't didn't occur, right? Uh, flu and influenza deaths were again comparable in the mortality databases. Were comparable to what we'd seen in a traditional flu season right, in the UK. And it was the same in the States. The number of pneumonia and influenza deaths over 2020 was something like, off the top of my head, I think it was 54,000, uh, very similar to previous years. So these these influenza and pneumonia deaths hadn't changed at all during the course of the pandemic. Right, so what, what the hell happened? So flu disappears. Mm. Influenza-like illnesses are gone. You know, it's all COVID. Yet we're seeing in official statistics that pneumonia and influenza, where were deaths were still occurring at you know very similar rates. It's
0: a mystery. <sighs> I, I'm even more bamboozled now than before. So, <laughs> Martin, Sorry, well I'm done messing with your mate. You're a professor <laughs> of bamboozlement. Okay. That's your new title. Forget computer science. Professor of bamboozle. I'm bamboozled. So listen, are you saying?
1: Well, hopefully it was, I'll, I'll explain this. But. <sighs> yeah, I'll, I'll,
0: yeah, uh, I'll ahead, give you. I'll Sorry. give you a rating later. So listen, um, was <laughs> was COVID the flu rebranded? Yes, no.
1: Ah, uh, right. That 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 that's a difficult. Yeah, that, I mean, okay. So that's the obvious question. People just say, yeah, it's the flu. Yeah, COVID was the flu. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not convinced that we can. That there's evidence to support that assertion. Um, you know, uh, it does seem to be a virus that's that's, that's spreading around. Uh, the big question is: is it that novel? Is a coronavirus? I'm not really in a position to say, but but I do think there was something circulating. Um, was it as deadly? I don't think so. From from a, a phenomenological perspective, just someone. Looking Mm -hmm. in, you'd say there's no difference between what happened in 2020, 2021 uh, and and, and previous flu years. I mean, flu is a very vague uh, and subjective um, diagnosis. right? It's a mixed bag. Exactly, without a battery test. And we we know that there's only been between about 20 and 40% of cases of people who say have got flu have actually got... You know, influenza A or B or one of the other kinds of viruses, and and very often it's coronaviruses, especially in the elderly or the infirm, that yeah. take them over the line. Mm. Uh, but we don't we don't worry about finding out. It's just a you know it's a complex of mechanism yeah. of, of of viruses that are always evolving, always changing, and we just say it's an influenza like illness, right? That's yeah. It. So in terms of you know COVID being added to that swarm, it's, it's 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 no big deal. It doesn't add anything anything new. So so saying that yeah, COVID was the flu. It's it's a bit of a non-question, yeah. It doesn't really matter. It, it's just it's yet another virus. Um, you know, could people have been co-infected with flu and and COVID, and it was flu that took them over the line? I guess in some cases, but without testing and knowing the specifics, it's a very hard judgment call to Okay. To, to so, pay.
0: so you got the flu, and, and like
1: it doesn't, it doesn't matter. What, it doesn't matter what the virus is. It's, it's pneumonia that is going to get you anyway. You
0: know exactly. We'll come to that in a second. So basically, you got these. Flu-like illnesses, respiratory tract infections, you know, viruses, RSV, coronal, influenza, you know, I think there's a few other ones. Um, they give you very similar symptoms, runny nose, sore throat, cough, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's never really the virus that's the serious thing. You get over that, but it's a secondary bacterial infection pneumonia that's more serious and that's the stuff you need antibiotics for and and that the antibiotics will clear then the the bacterial overgrowth and then you get you recover in some cases you don't now so what you're saying is the flu never went away and and it was always there it was either not being recorded or it was being put into the covid bucket. So it was never gone. I mean, we've, we've not cured COVID uh, influenza. You know, it's always been there. It's a seasonal thing. A couple of things. <clears throat> we, we know, I've seen those graphs. The flu comes and goes, comes and goes. It's pretty goddamn predictable. It's like almost like death in taxis. We kind of know it's going to happen. Why the hell do we even need to monitor it? We know we're going to have a season. We know people are going to get sick. We know the hospitals are going to get overwhelmed because they're understaffed and underfunded and mismanaged. Who cares? Why do we even need to monitor? I mean, it just seems nonsensical to me, this whole apparatus that well, we've
2: got. It, 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 it's,
1: um, well, might, if it was being unkind, it, it may it be monitored in order to, to give that flu signal uh, undue prominence in the public's mind to, to encourage them to uh, vaccinate. Yeah. So, so it's... Uh, it's a it's an opportunity for 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 for, for vaccination, um, but other than that, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not too sure why we have this very complex surveillance system in place to to monitor something that, that yeah, is an inevitability. <laughs> you know that phenomenon uh, is an inevitability, as you say. Yeah,
0: it's like having a really complex monitoring apparatus to see when the spring arrives. It's like. It's going to come, who cares? You know, like, great, well, well done. In the, UK, you know that in the UK, we know
1: that summers disappear. The, 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 the weather called the summer can easily disappear in the UK every year. So, so, so someone could tell us in advance. We, we could all book holidays abroad, you know.
0: Oh, <laughs> man. Type. I know, I know. So, anyway, flu rebrand. Flu is gone, not recorded, but it's not actually gone. COVID. Is there, you know, we can't say it's not not there as in the virus. We, we don't know what's circulating and what we're being picked up. We've got these faulty tests. What I want to clear my head, right, because it's still imprinted, these graphs, these rising numbers, cases, infections, people in hospitals, people dying. I mean, did more people die in 2020 and 2021? than normal average years? Were there these, like these graphs were showing, these surge of deaths, um, you know, above and beyond yeah. what, what normally happens? Or was that all just a statistical illusion and putting in numbers and everybody basically dying and just attributing it to COVID? What was going on?
1: Yeah, yeah. well, if you look 2020, I remember, I recall having a meeting with our, our MP, who's a uh, cabinet minister now, and presenting him with a graph showing the mortality rates from I think must have been nineteen fifties up um, to two thousand and twenty. And you could see this little this little blip at the end, this tiny little increase in in, 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 in uh, mortality caused by the, the, the pandemic. And made, you know, ranting at him and pointing at this say this you sacrificed everything for, 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 for that. Um and uh, you know, of course his reaction was just to trot out full fat <laughs> figures that way, yeah, and government policy. But yeah, statistically when you look at it, uh, it's we did we did lose uh in terms of mortality we hadn't had as bad a year for, for mortality in the UK since I think two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. So we had lost maybe eleven years of mortality, but it's it's not a huge amount. So it it, it really wasn't you know, significant statistically, uh, and if you think about the components of that mortality, you would get the you know, the normal deaths for for flu over the year. You know, for whatever it is, whether it's COVID flu, and then you've got some some additional deaths. And the question is, is how do you attribute the reasons, well, the causes yeah. of those, those those additional deaths? That's the big question. You know, how, how many extra deaths? did we have? And and how can you explain those deaths? Are they caused by the, the reaction to the virus, the fear, the panic, the interventions, uh were they were they caused by the treatment, right? The treatment regime that were given to you know patients of uh, the, the, the 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 virus, did they cause more deaths? You know, what happened in hospitals? What sort of drugs were people given? What happened in care homes? You know what happened with ventilation, all of those iatrogenic
0: hundred you know, percent
1: reasons for, for for death. And if you take that chunk, you know the potential number of deaths that happened through through against human interference rather than viral viral causes. That that I think is that that gives you that that small uptick in mortality. If that hadn't happened, it would have been a, a normal mortality year. But well, that's it would have been that, completely normal.
0: That's the same argument that. Dr. Jonathan Engler made earlier on the week when I was interviewing him. He was saying how much of it was actually our reaction. And if you look at what was done in the care homes with midazolam and opiates, and then the resulting death of elderly people um, in the hospitals, you know, you're depriving people of pre hospital care, yeah. isolating them, and then literally when they're yeah. doors deaf, even people walking into a hospital would just get ventilated. You know, with low SATs and if you get ventilated, the risk of death is much higher. And then with things like remdesivir as well. So you've, you've got iatrogenic harm, harm done by medical treatment. And that could possibly account for the increased death rate. But even taking on board all of that, you weren't seeing this lethal once in a lifetime, once in a hundred years killer pandemic. People weren't just dropping like flies. Am I right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Although you know, at, 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 at the as I say at the start, when I was looking at the um, statistics, you know, just my analysis with uh, in order to compare with joint joint I this stuff. Uh, one of my close friends uh, ended up, you know, he died and had COVID on his death certificate. This was April two thousand twenty. Mm. So that that period it was you know, one one side of me is doing the uh, looking at statistical analysis and doing this objective scientific investigation. The other side, uh, I'm I'm dealing with a friend. and I, I then subsequently had to manage his estate. He lived in his mm. own. So it took me a year to solve all his, all, all of those those issues. Mm. But he he had leukemia and he was he, he wasn't responding to phone calls, we visited them. I visited them. Uh, couldn't get a response. Managed to get in his apartment. He was coughing and spluttering. Of course, everybody turns up in PPE. Take him off to the hospital. Four days later, he's, he's, he's dead. Couldn't do anything for him and ma- made him comfortable. Mm. Now, at that time, I, I had no idea what was actually happening on the ground. Mm. Yeah,
2: in and, the and mm. hospital.
1: And of course, we were discouraged from, from visiting. <clears throat> uh, and I have a very strong suspicion that, that, that he, he, he his death he, he suffered from 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 the treatment protocols that were applied, because one of the other things I think you mentioned methadone and, and and some others was that they're all antibiotics. You know, thinking about a conversation earlier, if you have, if you have, no matter what the virus is, it's pneumonia that can very often, very often take you over the line, mm. um, and the the uh, recommended. Protocols for treatment of COVID uh, don't allow the, the, the use of antibiotics. Yeah, and here in the UK, of course, in different states in America, I know that people were still using antibiotics despite the official guidance. Right, but but uh, yeah, uh, if you've got pneumonia and you you've got leukemia and you don't get antibiotics, yeah, it's, a, it's a very strong chance that you'll you'll die. Very high chance that you'll die. So I suspect that 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 happened and at that time. The when the protocol was brought out, the the B in the BMJ there was a letter from palliative care mm. experts, end of life care experts, telling the government that the doses that they were given of medazolam, the planned doses in the treatment protocol, would be lethal. And it's in the BMJ. It was rare then. It was it was published in April, April two thousand
0: and twenty,
1: or even mm. March. Yeah, yeah. All the ones were there quite large in the, in the literature, and and. Um, yeah, it's 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 always been at the back of my mind that his, his death had it had been a consequence of of, of government, government policy.
0: Yeah, so it's funny, it's um it's not a new thing. So several years back, probably seven years ago, eight years ago, I had what was something like the flu. I had a raging fever, coughing, spluttering. I got up in the middle of the night to get some water, and um, I fainted on the way back to the bedroom. And uh, my wife heard me go thud <laughs> as my hit, head hit the ground. And um, she she couldn't get me back up and she tried and I fainted again. Bum! I was very dehydrated. I'd been sweating all night. dehydrated. She called an ambulance, took me to the hospital. They gave me Tamiflu. So I'm, I've I'm now gone back home. I took this Tamiflu thing and I remember retching and vomiting into this you know the toilet you know leaning over yeah and i was like this is horrendous what is this thing they've given me and i stopped taking it stopped taking it and my wife was like are you sure (laughs) like you've you've been told to take this i was like i am not taking this i don't know what the hell this thing is but it makes me feel like i'm dying that this, right. this is nothing compared to the freaking flu business yeah. you know i just need to rehydrate sleep and just i'll get better and i don't yeah. want to eat i just want to curl in bed and you know just hydrate which is what i did and guess what i got better but i'll never forget yeah. how that Tammy flu business made me feel it's like chemotherapy it's freaking awful and since then, there's been a yeah. scandal about Tamiflu and how actually it's not safe. It doesn't make any difference. It's not effective. Actually, it's yeah. pretty dangerous. And Tamiflu, since the new latest version is remdesivir. And I was just thinking, mm-hmm. you know, way back in 2020, in January, I had the flu type thing, feverish. You know, I had temperature, really unwell, barking cough for about a week. Got slightly better after a day. I thought great. Came back, productive cough, fever. I was like, great, I've got an infection. This time, I got a course of antibiotics, and within three days, I was back to normal again. And yeah, and that's the thing. You need the antibiotics, and I wonder how many people were, you know, were not given the antibiotics that they were meant to be given. And that's that's a question yeah, yeah. that we need you, to look you can, into. You,
1: you can actually see it. Uh you can see the changes in the administration of pre- prescriptions, the prescription data. Yes. This, uh online database. You can look up and you can look at the rates of uh prescriptions of uh, uh other you know similar opioid based drugs and uh, antibiotics. And you can see that during the the, the peaks of, of, of COVID, you know, in March twenty twenty and later, that the, the the application of these drugs re- reduced. Sort of went down when, when they should have gone up. Yeah. Well, antibiotics. No, sort of went up. Yeah. Drugs went down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we we, we know you know the, from the transcripts of conversations that Hancock had with his advisors about having a sufficient amount of mepazine and strange drivers to administer it in twenty twenty March twenty twenty, that uh, the you know the plan was is, was to was to heavily drug people who who suffered you know COVID. So uh, with inevitable effect, as predicted by the palities of care care experts, that this would this would take people over the
0: line. So Martin, can I ask you something? Is this just global mass incompetence? People weren't, you know, surveying flu, people weren't registering it, looking for it. They just fell and for the like just fear porn and incompetence and just the inherent bias and said this is all COVID. And be, or it's how could this have happened on a global scale? Like you said, there's a handful of countries that were still recording flu. Or was I mean, was this malign? I mean, did people go literally and influence every country and switch off the monitoring and start focusing on COVID and not the flu? I mean, I mean it just seems like it's either mass incompetence or mass criminality going on here.
2: Or is yeah, it both?
1: yeah, I think I think we know that people respond to incentives this, this is how society works we respond to authorities instructions and, and authority gives us incentives to to behave in a particular way and we, we're rewarded for that otherwise how, how would big companies big organizations big universities o- operate and, and and we all have a, a, a structure of um, uh, you know decision making which is. Which, in many ways, is sort of semi, semi, semi-automatic. That uh, we know that, under uh, certain circumstances, we, we, we follow we follow the rules, um, and if we don't follow the rules, uh, there, there's essentially going to be a, a disincentive, you know, potentially a, a punishment, and that 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 whole system of, of behaviour is large, largely unconscious. We like to think of ourselves as being sovereign sovereign beings that make these, you know, highly individual. Um, uh, you know, highly informed uh, decisions. Uh, but I think largely we we, we operate semi semi automatically in, in, a, in a great great many ways. So, so this this idea that you know that uh, people had to get together and consciously enter into a conspiracy. Yeah, I, I I don't really buy. You don't have to consciously enter into anything. You simply mm. have to follow the tram lines that are laid out for you. I mean, yeah. no, no one in Germany in the 1990s and 30s called a big meeting where they all got together and said, let's do this, right? But as soon as you get the signals that those in authority wish you to do that, and there's a lot of social pressure, Yeah, you, you inevitably you know, do it. And you know it's at least the cognitive dissonance and a great deal of psychological discomfort, knowing that you're by questioning it, you're going to stand outside the herd. And a lot of people would rather die in the herd than, than die outside of the herd or have the herd beat them to death. So this, this, this I, w- I would say the norm is conspiracy. Conspiracies are the norm, yeah? Mm. Uh, when when, when, when organisations market new products, when they design new services, they are conspiring to maximise a profit in their interest. Right, and it's perfectly natural for them to do so. So people are naturally, uh, naturally planning environments that will maximise their 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 their, their self interest, and, and and they'll do so. I mean, Adam Smith has that 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 great saying that, you know, when 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 the merchants get get together uh, and uh, discuss trade, uh, inevitably it, it turns into a conspiracy against the public. Right, that's why we have a monopolies commission. Yeah. So, so these these things I see is completely natural. Conspiracy is completely natural in human human behavior, and and it's perfectly natural that that, that people just just do it automatically. That they don't have to have a conscious sign up process where, 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 where it occurs. And and people have to, uh, you know, they have to believe that they they, they they're socially they, they fit in and they're so they're behaving in a socially acceptable way. It's very painful to stand outside the look for most people.
2: It very
0: is very
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all experienced it.
0: So this comes to the question: How did you guys all, you f- misfits, come together? Because I don't hear of any other departments around the country. You know, and I'm sure you're not the only department in you know, you know, in the country, computer statistics and, and the stuff that you do. Why is it only your department? Yeah was speaking at and saying what it was saying. And, you know, you've got these four or five right. people who think the same way. You've just said most people conform and go along. And it seems like that's the case because I don't I don't hear lots of doctors speaking out. I don't hear lots of lawyers speaking out. I don't hear lots of professors, epidemiologists speaking out. So am, am I right? There's no one of your comparison like in other right. universities.
1: yeah. there's yeah, yeah. Um well it's not it's not the department, it's it's a research group and there's viewers yes. within the research group. Norman's now retired, Scott Scott's elsewhere, but I'm I'm, I'm still at, uh, at the university. Magna, you know, she was at in our department. Um but we we our, our research work was always kicking against the pricks, it was going against the grain. We we do a lot of uh, we looking at the the, the the science and art and how people make decisions, make rational decisions. So it's part of that process. You you're always challenging how people currently make decisions. Mm. You're looking at the the models, you know, the the, the variables, or the factors, the the influences that that, that 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 help them make decisions, and then challenging that. Uh, looking at cost benefit analysis of whether decision. The outcomes of the decisions are, 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 are rational and optimal in some way. So as part of that, that analysis, you're, you're coming against in a so, as the dog decided to bark at a stretch of
2: moment.
0: We were talking about how your research group is the only one in the country that's come up with yeah. this data and information. Yeah. And why is that? Why is it that only your department yeah, yeah. is... So
1: Mm. I was about to say, cr- critical thinking is, is, is what we do day in, day out. Mm. So we, we, we've never been a research group next to one area. So we, we, we move, we're quite, we're quite sort of like butterflies, we move between different areas. So, so we're used to going into an area whether it be finance or medicine and challenging what's going on, right, and, and, and looking at things from a, a fresh, different perspective. And that's what invigorates me. And I think that, 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 that encu- then encourages a, a kind of sort of uh, detachment Mm. You then don't become part of a an academic peer group where you have to rely on them,
2: mm. yeah,
1: for a shared research agenda. Yeah, mm. we we move into one area, we'll upset everyone, and then move on to the next one, <laughs> and we do that repeatedly. So, so we've got no investment in in a, in a particular re- regime, yeah, well, you know, or, or academic group or a particular line of thought, and and academics tend not to do that because. In many ways, it could be career suicide because you have to rely on your peers and their judgment to get your papers published, to get promotion, to be well-respected. And as part of your promotion, you have to be well-respected within the community and be collegiate, yeah? Be the right kind of guy, yeah? Mm. There's still a lot of that in academia. And and, and we've, we've, we've just blithely disregarded all that and just led <laughs> by our wits and we've done that for a long, long time. And it's 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 a kind of aloofness that was try and stand above it,
2: because mm. as soon as you
1: become part of the research machine, and you're 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 you're, you're doing your research according to the very centralised governmental goals for how that research should should be should be done, and what the research output should be, you, you you're no longer doing doing objective research. You're tracked by personal incentives, right? And the personal need to belong. Right. So we we we've ended up. But just by by your own bloody mindedness ended up where
0: we are I love it I think you're you're real disruptors divergent thinkers and actually the world needs that if everybody just thought the same way there, there would never be any progress there would never be any innovation or creativity you need you need that I think I've always been a misfit never really fitted in anywhere Um, I've always yeah stood back and I I, I never liked following the crowd quite often. I'd be like, that's a weird direction people are going. And I was quite happy standing on my own. Um, which is why I think I'm here doing this podcast. It's a very strange thing for an orthopedic surgeon to be doing, speaking to someone like you about this. It's just, most of my colleagues are just getting on with life, you know, as if nothing happened. And I don't know about you, but I can't forget. I can't forget what happened. I don't want to forget what happened. And and I think it's important people like you are doing your work and forensically going back and analyzing and scrutinizing and exposing because if we don't yeah. this is just going to happen again.
1: Round 2. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, the way it, you know it'll happen again in a, in a decade because we we've, we've seen it happen, you know, before so many times that Jonathan if you mentioned earlier, you know, Jonathan and he he, uh, he, he tweeted out something you know, a couple of weeks back um, and it was a paper written by, Al- I think, the name is Alfred Wallace. Alfred Wallace was one of the Darwin's competitors for the theory of evolution and he was a very well-known well-respected scientist at the time mm. uh, and we're talking about, you know historical analysis, which is what I'm doing with the flu, looking mm. back and asking these questions that we, we don't repeat this and Alfred Wallace had, had written a paper which you could consider to be a, a, a anti-vax or very sceptical paper on, on vaccines in I think it was the 1880s uh, pointing out all of the statistical tricks and chicanery right that were employed then to make the vaccines look good. Wow. Categorising people as being, as being uh Unvaccinated within a period after vaccination because they haven't be- benefited from the vaccine yet. Yeah. Mm. Stuff like that. Um, he did it all out in the 18- 1880s. Wow. Lost all of his credibility and, and then was written out of history, um, more or less. Doesn't have the same prominence as people that Darwin. not um, And um, we, we, we rediscovered that. So it's a question, it's a similar the case of history repeating itself. And we've discovered it all afresh. So oh, this this story that we're living now has has happened. You mentioned uh, the flu in two thousand and nine, the Tamiflu Flu episode. We've got episodes in nineteen seventy six, where you know flu flu vaccines had uh, had a detrimental effect and had to be had to be pulled from the market. The, 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 these issues, you know, and Robert F Kennedy Jr. has been highlighting all the the stories about vaccine harms uh, for other vaccines. Um, that this playbook has been has been stuck on repeat for a long, long time, a long, long time.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy that it goes back 150 years. I mean, you know, I saw black and white pictures of people saying no to vaccine mandates, you know, a long time ago. Yeah. And it's kind yeah. of like, yeah, wow, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's it's stunning, and and uh, you know, other other very independent. Minded researchers who won't let it go, like uh, Jessica uh, Hockett and in, in, in the USA, she she's now looking at uh, what happened with the Spanish flu 1918-1919, because some of the estimates for the deaths of Spanish flu have been inflated over the years. Mm. You know, initial estimates were you know a few million, and then you read in the newspapers, you know, it becomes 50 million. Yeah, so historical analysis of this stuff and and Uncovering the method and the pattern, yeah, is is very critical, and and uh, you know, rooting out this 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 uh, you know, mass of corruption in, in in
0: society. Wow, listen, I'm sure you're going to have lots of other things to talk to me about, but before we end, um, I need to ask you, what's your thoughts on vaccines now? Would you roll up your arm for another flu shot, yearly flu shot, or is this thing? Have you always been skeptical,
2: yeah, or yeah,
0: have you yeah, reevaluated no, no, things?
1: I've reevaluated things. Uh, I was I was starting to sort of question them because my wife uh, suffered a, an adverse reaction to a flu shot back in two thousand and nine ten. Mm. She was in the office and they were handing out flu shots like candy, and she thought she would go and get one. Yeah, and she had. Uh, uh, um, Ghislaine Barre syndrome as a as a consequence, uh, oh, wow. short lived, and but she's had a whole host of you know minor minor you know problems since then, um, uh, you know that have been sort of chronic in a way, uh, not dramatically so, but enough to you know be bothersome. Um, so I was I was sort of questioning it a little bit, but I had any coherent coherent uh, view. But uh, at the start of COVID, when I mean, the vaccine rolled out, I was very sceptical of the vaccine. Obviously, and we published a lot in that, so I think you know it's obviously not safe, not effective, not necessary. And 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 now you know I've dug deeper, and you know we, we're getting more and more information about how vaccine trials are run and have been run for a long, long time, and um, we know how the industry is is incentivised. Yeah, I'm I'm more or less an anti-vaxxer now. Uh, I didn't start out to be one, but I've reacted to the evidence and and I'm more or less firmly in that camp. Although if if someone did present to me a a coherent, substantive, properly designed and implemented trial with long-term safety data for a vaccine that proved the case, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll look at the evidence, but based on based on you know what 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 I've now seen about about the the industry, yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced that they they have any benefit at, at all, and if anything, it's it's uh, they have a, a very detrimental downside to 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 those them.
0: It's quite a damning assessment, but I think it's actually quite true. I've looked at it. I've had my own journey, and I find it I find it very difficult. I think the problem is. You can't even, you know how you said you go in objectively, aloof, forensically analyze things and disrupt them. The thing is, um, when it comes to vaccine, you're not allowed to do that. It's like ring fenced. Yeah. It's security walls, guards. You are not allowed to go anywhere near that area. I find that bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I find that just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah. So where are they hiding? If you can't question it. You know, what what are you hiding?
1: Exactly exactly, exactly, exactly.
0: That so, that, yeah, that in it's itself some, is suspect. It, it,
1: yeah, so it's not it's not a journey I set out to to, to undertake. Mm. I mean I've I have a deep, deep disinterest in all things biological, you know. <laughs> so but now now I've been dragged kicking and screaming to look at all this stuff. Uh yeah, it's 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 taken me it's taken me on a journey to a destination I needed to get to. That's the way I look at all of this stuff. We needed to do
2: this.
0: Are you not slightly so worried this, this is good for you. Are you not slightly worried what effect this might have on your career and standing? Because people who've gone down this route who question and expose it doesn't end well end well for them. You know, jobs, offers dry up, promotions, you know. Funding gets withdrawn, you get cancelled. Um, yeah, I've never, 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 never,
1: yeah. Well, I'm, 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 I'm um, I, I I think you know. All previous versions of me in my twenties, thirties, and forties, with a young family, yeah, I would have been maybe a little bit more reticent, yeah, and not have stood back. But when, once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. You won't be able to sleep at night if you walk away from it. Is that natural reaction people don't want to see it because they know that they might not be able to sleep at night so they'll they'll choose not to see it stand by so i can understand because i wouldn't condemn them for doing that because previous versions of me would have maybe done the same uh because you've got you know an incentivized to look after your young family etc yeah i mean ultimately that's that's your that's why you gave um but uh in terms of you know academic respect, I've never placed much value on it because I've always thought I'm I'm a little bit of an imposter. I'm a working class Glaswegian kid who screwed up and accidentally became an academic. You know, I enjoyed the ride, but I wasn't here for the social accolades or or, or certainly not for the wealth <laughs> or the or the or the respect, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So so I, it never really turned me on. Um uh so yeah, yeah. I I didn't feel that there, that there was anything that I was losing from doing that. Um I must say, I mean I, I, Queen Mary it's it's been uh in the main okay that I haven't felt a lot of um uh, uh you know, personal pressure, criticism. I'm more or less sort of ignored, which is fine. I'm used to being mm. ignored. Mm.
2: That's
1: okay. I have had a few unpleasant experiences, but not not compared. You know, some other people have had terrible time with their, you know, professional bodies and their institutions pursuing them relentlessly. Especially you know, GPs, etc. And you know, you've had your own experiences. So I've had nothing like that. Yeah, so that hasn't gotten way. I know you know some colleagues have you know had a, 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 a more of a torrid time, but I've, I haven't suffered from that. Um, but that's what 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 do you do? You either do the right thing or, or, or you don't. Um so yeah, I, I I must admit, you know, around about October two thousand and twenty I had a, a short period where I guess I guess that that, that, that was me transforming. Yeah. It was it was full of anxiety. I realised the magnitude of what was Yeah. And uh, I had a very, very difficult time mentally. I thought, Christ, the world's going got hell in a handcart. What, what am I going to do about it? You know, I can choose to do nothing. I've really got even more involved, so I chose to get even more involved. And, and I felt settled since then. I'm quite happy. People ask, you know, how do you do it? You know, you know, being brave, and I don't see it as bravery. It just seems the natural thing to do. I don't think about it as something that's in any way special. Yeah, it's just it's just the right thing to do, so you do it.
0: God bless you. Yeah, I I feel the same way. So, um, Good. before yeah. you end, um, and I want you to tell people where they can find you and what your Substack's called, et cetera, et cetera. Before you we get to that, can you? I've been asking all my guests recently if you were on your deathbed and you're like gonna, you know, impart some wisdom and advice to your children and grandchildren about health and stuff. What would be your top tips? that you would give.
2: Top
1: tips on health and well being. Bloody hell. Yeah. From uh, from and uh, from an overweight alcoholic glass region. Bloody hell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Go for it.
1: I didn't anticipate this question now. It's this is this is this is terrible. Yeah, I'm tongue tied now. That, that's that's <laughs> difficult. Yeah, yeah, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to say, "Don't run with scissors." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> no, because I'm, not, I'm in no way sort of medically in, 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 inclined. I haven't. I haven't really thought about. You know, I can understand why many of your other guests do have a top ten list of you know how to lead a recommendations how to lead a happy, and healthy life. I haven't. I haven't really thought that one through. Yeah,
0: It's not top, it's not top ten. Um, it's just like you must think about your health and. Reflected over the last few years, had to, to stay happy and healthy. You don't think about these things,
2: uh, yeah,
1: I, 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 I do. Um, but uh, I haven't thought about them as being, you know, personal recommendations that I would impart to people. I, 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 don't, I don't see. I actually don't see myself as being that that healthy. Therefore, <laughs> I'd, I'd be a good advertisement for my lifestyle.
0: Right, so <laughs> so so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so you can take the lad out of Glasgow, course. but you you, you can't long, get. Long, you, I was gonna say, yeah,
1: yeah. We can take of Glasgow lads, yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Are you still eating fried Mars bars?
1: <laughs> no, no, my 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 my, uh, my diet's pretty pretty good, I think. Yeah. Have
0: yeah. you ever had one? You ever had yeah. a fried Mars bar? deep fried
1: mars bar. Yeah. No, no, but but uh, I I enjoy telling Americans especially once they've heard about the 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 whole deep fried mars bar stick that uh that that's not the least of their worries. They should actually have a deep fried pizza. <laughs> that the top technologists in Glasgow in Glasgow universities have devised a pizza that you can drop into a deep fryer in a in a, in a fish and chip shop and you could fry it. And it, and it's 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 probably ninety percent some 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 weird uh weird ingredient, maybe plastic or something, that actually holds the <laughs> topping in place. So the mushrooms my- or for what for what has to be mushrooms actually stay on the pizza while it's being fried and floating around in this thing.
0: Oh, deep my fried
1: pizza is a recommendation. Everyone should try that once.
0: Ah, oh, I had I've had a deep fried Mars bar. I took one bite and spat it out. It was disgusting. Just just to see what it was like. <laughs> It was horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, I look back at my diet (laughs) as a kid. I used to have fritters and a morning roll. I used to have fish and chips. I used to drink iron brew. And now that stuff just is disgusting. It's disgusting. Iron brew is disgusting.
1: It's okay as a treat once a year. Once a year. (laughs) I still enjoy the taste of it, but I I maybe drink one bottle a year. Yeah.
0: Okay. Maybe maybe. Maybe it's best that you don't give health advice.
1: <laughs> right, tell us that about... Probably, yeah. Your loyal following would just plummet. Who's this guy on? He's, he's, he's more deadly than COVID with his diet advice. Kill <laughs> thousands.
0: Right, tell, tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Yeah, they can find all of my uh, scribblings on, the, on this particular topic at uh, the Substack. Where are the numbers? so that's uh, forget us right where do they let me let me get it up actually
0: where are sleep. where are the numbers hold on it is where yeah. are wait, the wait, numbers
1: where are the numbers? substack.com yes where are F- the numbers all oh, one word substack all one word.com. that's it yeah. and your twitter thanks, handle
0: thanks and your twitter handle is at martin neil Number
1: nine as in nine. Yeah, yeah. And I could really be doing with a follower boost because because I'm one of these people that uh Twitter uh, are keeping in their cage. So I did a tweet in two thousand, when was it? Two thousand twenty-one, at uh, the back of the research that we'd done on on vaccine efficacy and safety using the ONS data, and it got tweet exposing the miscategorization problem, the fact that the vaccines weren't safe, got something like two point nine million impressions. Wow! And then since then, the the whole account has been has been <laughs> it's kept in this cage and it can't grow. It's never gone beyond twenty one point seven. When was that? I, I was, really, was yeah, that that was back in two thousand and twenty one. Uh, so it, e- it took a spot and then flatlined. So
0: Elon Musk that. hasn't let you out of the cage.
1: Well, it's it's still an active account. But there's lots of people who get active accounts that are are, are, are I can't remember what they they proper term for it is that the, the 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 followership isn't allowed to grow. So you're allowed to tweet and maybe those mm. tweets get somewhere where people will follow you and then they'll be unfollowed. So I had recently I mean Jordan Peterson followed me, I went back to follow him and then I had to try three times for that me following him to stick. I, I wow. kind of see the button disappear on Twitter. It's a follow to unfollow. So people try and follow me and then it, it disappears side of that, I'm just deep
0: down popular. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I've, I've, I've got, I've got this, I've got this theory that anyone who's high profile, big following on any social media, is controlled opposition, whether they know it or not. Um, which kind of makes me worried because I've suddenly developed a big following, and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> maybe I'm controlled opposition. <laughs> like I've gone from one thousand yeah. followers to one hundred seventeen. Like in six months, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm in Malik's controlled opposition. I just don't know it. You know, I've been ultra MK ultra or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I somehow doubt. I, I don't find these these uh, discussions about who's controlled opposition or who's not. It's not. Yeah, I don't find them very productive or healthy. I'm sure there are people that are controlled opposition that we might oh, all have suspicions about, but. And it's good gossipy fun, but it's. Uh, That's you know, it. Until. until Tell so it's obvious. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. So actually, yeah. you deserve your following. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't feel bad about it. And uh, if anything, your your MI five handlers will be very very happy that you've
2: made it that <laughs> far. <fun. laughs>
0: Martin, listen, it's been really nice chatting to you. By the way, and um,
1: yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having
0: me on. I'd love to have you back at some point. Seriously. When you've got something juicy you want to tell me, reach out to me again, please.
1: I will do it, yeah. All right, listen, thank you. Yeah,
0: you do that. All the best, Thank you so much, everyone. Bye-bye.